everyone. It's been a busy couple months here at Sealock. We've been on the road. I hope you've been following along on social media. We were really excited to join the European Animal Science Meeting in Lyon, France, where we launched SimpleScan, our newest product for monitoring methane. And we'll, we can talk a little bit about that on another podcast. We're back here ruminating around the table, and I'm really excited to introduce today's guest, Dr. Sarah Klepatik. She's with JDS. We're going to be digging into an industry look of methane emissions and talking about how green feed is used in industry. Hi, Meredith. It's great to see you again. And uh, just a little background on me. Uh, I was born and raised in Arizona. I had two nerd parents. Uh, they were civil ecologists. Uh, so it's not a shocker I became a scientist, but I did go out on a limb a little bit. I fell in love with animal science. And that took me to UC Davis, uh, where I did my PhD in postdoc and had a fabulous partner in Meredith on cattle and methane and water and all sorts of exciting things. And now I'm lucky to have the position of chief livestock scientist at JBS, which is actually the largest um, beef processor and the largest hide processor in the world. Uh, so I get to work in a global capacity working on sustainability. So it's a pretty cool job. Absolutely. And and correct me if I'm wrong, but JDS isn't just beef. It's going to be the, the largest global provider of protein. And you guys oh, yeah, swine. Oh, yeah. So it's beef. And it's, uh, it's beef, pork, and poultry. But there's also lamb. There's also fish. Hiding business. And also it's, it's global. So you're Brazil, you're Australia, you're the UK. And so I get to work with a team around the world. And, and I'm a system scientist. So it's exciting because you get to learn how do all these systems work? Why are there different? Why are there differences? Why are there trade-offs? And really like the holistic nature of sustainability and what it really means. You're really speaking my language. You know, I used to dabble in some, some systems dynamic modeling. Well, I want to talk about about you today. You've done some <laughs> some really exciting things. Um, I was going to bug you on a tangent about, you know, insect protein, but I'll I'll try to stick here to to ruminants. So you you've done a lot of research on on sustainability. You've done life cycle assessments. You know, comparing the grass fed beef to more conventional programs. You've done a lot of work on on water use. And I know more recently, I saw you present some research at the National Animal Science Meeting in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where you were talking about some producer perceptions on sustainability. Um, why don't you tell us about some of that research from that survey? Oh, excellent. Uh, so that survey was, was done um, 2018, 2019, and what the questions I wanted to ask and my research team wanted to ask was why would a producer adopt or not adopt uh, a practice um, within their ranching operations? Um, and what I think we were really shocked to see within the beef industry is that there is a concern about public image that was not there 10 years ago. Um, our producers day in, day out are told they're unsustainable by you know the outside world that has a lack of knowledge on sustainability, a lack of knowledge on beef production in general. 
Um, so I think it becomes very frustrating when they like, well, how do I show that I am doing good work? How do we show that we're part of a sustainable system and a sustainable equation? So that work was was really interesting because now it's becoming less what is sustainability more how do we how do we show that we are sustainable yeah absolutely it's we are starting to see this paradigm shift and i don't know how we start to tell that narrative because you're right you know ranchers are the original stewards of the land and i think there's no one who who takes more pride in in what they do for the environment for their animals than ranchers so we've seen this this disconnect between what reality is and then consumer perceptions. Well, and I, 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 I feel their pain and that frustration, and and it's a, a long road we have ahead of us to show how all these food systems can be part of a sustainable solution. And elimination is myopic view, and we know myopia is the death of sustainability. So. It will be a challenge. I think there's a lot of possibilities, though. So I feel positive I, where the industry is going. I think we'll just have continual improvement. I I agree. I think it's it speaks to to your passion. And, you know, JBS is, is lucky to have you working in this space, communicating with not only producers, but obviously work at the, the corporate level as well. JBS is working towards net zero emissions by 2040. Um, how important are these producers in, in on-farm reductions in meeting these goals? Well, I'd first like to say the bumper sticker for my dad's back in my dad's, dad's SUV. No, no farms, no food. <laughs> right. So before we even get into the emissions question, how important are producers there? Everything. You don't have producers, you don't have food. Um, and so when we look at, you know, sustainable solutions and solutions that are working more specifically on greenhouse gases, it is imperative that these solutions, um, we can look for win-wins first. You know, is there a solution um, on the enteric side that also works on the feed efficiency side? So there's a bonus there. Is there a solution on grazing management that improves yield? Is there, you know, we're looking for solutions within the supply chain that are are not going to harm the producers. We want to aid the producers. And part of the sustainability is is time and economics, right? You want to be able to pass your ranch to the next generation. It needs to be economically feasible. And then, you know, to make sure, I think one gap, and this is what I would love to do is, is getting people to the table. I think it's great when, you know, you can have the packer, the feeder, the cowboy, the cow-calf producer, but then the day you also need to have the retailers and, and make sure the retailers understand how a cow calf production works, how a feedlot works. And so you can have pull through and true understanding and sustainability that is spread throughout because you will have, you know, a product or whatnot. They want um, a label or a claim or anything like that. And it needs to go back to the producer and needs to go back to that man and woman on the ranch is doing the work day in and day out. And I, I, I feel like that's an area where we can, can grow and have continual improvement there as well, making sure you have that pull through and making sure that those producers are getting recognized for good practices. Yeah, I I couldn't agree with you more. I think that pull through is going to be key, you know, in incentivizing those producers because right now they are price takers and it's going to be challenging to to implement some of these 
you know, feed additive strategies in, in the rations and have them price in. Like you're saying, it has to first fit their, their bottom line bug right. all. New Zealand methane emissions are viewed very differently. I like to use the carrot and the stick analogy. And here in the U.S., I would say we're we're not even in the carrot phase. It's probably mm -hmm. even talked about. <laughs> They're starting to come down to the the stick, uh, if you will, and you know discussions of of taxation on on methane. So, what what can we do to try and learn from you know their should I say rash decisions? Looking at the system and which they have a very interesting system there. You know, they have a lot of silvo pasture. Uh, you know, they have a lot of lush grasslands. You know, they, and so to to tax a uh, producer for a biological process of the cow, I don't know how that is going to positively move the industry. Uh, because if you look at a system such as Australia and they're like, all right, well, Let's see if we can use this money to help engage ranchers to be more um, sustainable, to do better grazing programs, give them money for the soil sequestration and continue having a positive um, interaction. And so they're actually showing within Australia and some of their uh, reports about how they're decreasing carbon emissions from their beef industry. But they did, as you said, a carrot approach, not a stick approach. I worry that with a stick approach, you're going to have elimination of a food source rather than have more sustainable practices be adopted. And I and I think it's not only elimination of like the food source, but certainly choking out some of those small producers, you know, those mom and pop owned farms, they're not going to be able to, to keep up with with those kind of requirements. No, and, and that's one thing that I think it's lost and I think you've always been brilliant about talking about this is what is a cow-calf producer in the United States or New Zealand and most of them are break-even producers they're in it to be a part of a lifestyle it's what their family did you know they have 30 cows they have 40 head of cows clearly that is not going to be feeding your family of four or five <laughs> no, you know, but it's part of the system. And I, I think that's what's challenging for a lot of, you know, looking at emission reductions. How do we have sustainability? How do we have these practices? But encompasses of the dynamics and the variety of U.S. beef production. And that's what I think makes systems sustainable is having, you know, being dynamic, being variable. That's what creates resistance in your food supply. That's what creates sustainability, but we don't want to design systems that will hurt a smaller producer compared to a larger producer. We want that variety. That's what makes our beef industry so exciting is that, you know, you can be a part of the food system and having 10 cows in your backyard. Yeah, it's the dynamic part that you said that really strikes a chord with me. There's not a, a one size fits all model. And depending on differences in, in production systems, you know, you talked about grazing systems in New Zealand. Uh, they have, like, green grass down there. That is a weird thing to see, all like, all the time. <laughs> We're certainly not used to that in the, uh, the Western U.S. here. Yeah. So what's considered, you know, sustainable there and as a, 
an approach is going to be very different than than our systems and grazing systems definitely present challenges i know there's a, a a big push for modeling approaches right now and some of those um bottom up modeling approaches are going to be unjustly penalizing some of those high producing animals just because they they eat a lot so the models say they're going to emit a lot of methane and so that's where i think it comes back to some of these different empirical you know on-farm collection how does that start to to play into some of these sustainability initiatives Right. And I think also when we're looking at enteric, you, there, we need to be evaluating the trade-offs. You know, we need to be validate, you know, the water and the economics. And, you know, if we have genetics, it'll be a very interesting time to see how these models play out, how it ties in empirical data. So we've talked a lot about, you know, producers. We've hit on the, the retailer a little bit and that pull through supply chain. But is there is there a demand for this kind of product in the market? What do consumers start to think about sustainability? So I, there there are two parts to that question is is what do consumers care about? But where are the the retailers and whatnot getting pressure from? So yeah. I think that to me, this is my scientific opinion. There is a misconception between the industry pressures for sustainability versus consumer demands. So the beef checkoff, they did a survey on the U.S. consumer that eats beef. Over 20% said they cared about animal welfare. That was their number one concern, was animal welfare. However, when you looked at caring about sustainability, less than 5% of the consumers said that was one of their major concerns. And when you look at willingness to pay, there have been multiple, multiple, multiple studies that have said we do not see a significant difference in willingness to pay. And and this is what I've really learned since, you know, I, I got out of academia and went to industry is I've been able to see what the pressures are firsthand. And, you know, you're looking at, you know, investments and the bankers and all these things. Climate change is on the forefront of their mind. Climate risk, you know flooding, the positive feedback loop of greenhouse gases, fires, they're looking at all these things and they're looking at social governments and environmental, they're looking at ESGs, they're looking at these things because they know that if you do not have a plan that you are putting yourself at risk. It's a, it's an interesting, um, you know, kind of, yeah, chicken or the egg thing, the, we don't have the buy-in at the producer level, they don't have the means to start to incorporate these strategies we need to be looking at things holistically we need to be looking at systems we need to be looking at the producer and his 10 cows the producer and his 10,000 cows we be looking at multiple operations and you know keep food here tomorrow and we need to preserve grasslands we need to be keeping ranchers ranching I think it's going to be a uh, multifaceted approach you know a combination yeah. of of methane inhibitors along with selective breeding right with you know manure management is a huge portion i think we focus so much on the output that even minimizing some different inputs and improving feed efficiency and some of our other processing mechanisms can also start to improve that overall carbon footprint i think you're absolutely right we we need to still look at methane 
um, but we can't look at methane at the cost of not looking at nitrous oxide. You know, how do we continue with improving crops and nitrogen management? You know, we know that we can have potential reductions by using manure management on crops. How do we how do we look at these systems? How do we evaluate these systems? Um, so you're right. It's well, yeah, I I think that ties into kind of my my last question here. You know, we keep emphasizing this the systems approach. Um, how important is is collaboration going to be here? Obviously, we got some industry folks chatting, but thinking about the the producers and and academia. How do we start to have a, you know, a, a consensus on on defining some of these sustainability metrics and and whose job ultimately is that going to be? And I know that there are practices out there, but I think what gets a little bit confusing is that pull through. And there are rules. There are rules for greenhouse gas accounting. I think sometimes that gets lost in the puzzle. You know, people whether you follow it or not, there is an organization called SBTI. There is an organization, you know, Greenhouse Gas Protocol. They have rules for carbon accounting um, just to be aware of that. And how does this tie in? Does this work for the beef industry? How? You know, just understanding a lot of these big system questions and understanding, okay, well, if the retailer has to do carbon accounting, how does that relate to the cow-calf producer? If the cow-calf producer has an operation like this and they can only do X, Y, and Z practices, how does that relate to the retailer? And I, I think bridging that gap in understanding throughout the supply chain is going to be most important is connecting what's actually possible, what's scientifically possible, and then what's economically possible. How does that pull through and does that relate to any kind of greenhouse gas accounting? Yeah, I think those science-based initiatives are, are going to be key, especially when, you know, signals and, and markets are getting muddied just by the the newness of, of carbon credits in those markets and coming back to those those science initiatives, IPCC equations. Right. Yeah, it, and it, it's very, very difficult. And it's also new and the rules are just coming out. So it's really important that, as these rules are being built, there is that connection. Um, so so we just need to kind of continue to invest in the rancher and invest in the sciences so that we start getting these questions answered. Well, Sarah, this has been really great chatting with you this afternoon. I think our listeners are really going to enjoy this. This has been a, a different approach from some of our previous podcasts, and it's been great to listen to all your, your insights. Thank you so much, Meredith. It was great being on here today. In the next upcoming episodes, we're really going to dig into some of these different aspects of this systems approach to sustainability. We've talked a lot about green feed. Um, Sarah's talked about feed efficiency a couple times today. But we're going to dig into some of the other aspects of sustainability and on-farm monitoring. Thanks for another great episode. We'll catch you next time ruminating around the table. Ah. <laughs>